When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. And this is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Welcome to the Dick Morris Show, stuck in the middle with you, between the jokers on one side and the crazies on the other side. Where do I and I'm there? stuck here in the middle with Doug DePiro, my friend here and associate. <laughs> and uh, this is sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. You know, what about me stuck? You know, Trump has now assumed what I believe is a, is a, uh, a permanent lead in the election with Biden. Uh, he's of the – in the published polls that are posted hourly or daily – on realclearpolitics.com. It was a long time before Trump actually won any of these polls. Biden was always the winner. And uh, even during the 2020 election, the poll, the polling showed Biden winning, and the vote count, as fraudulent as I think it was, showed Biden winning by 7 million votes. That translates to about 3% of the vote. So... Trump entered this year minus three. And in the polling that's been going on on Real Clear Politics, he has now led in four of the last eight polls, and the other four were a dead even tie. And uh, some of the polls, like the Washington Post ABC, said that he was winning by 10 points, 52 to 42. I believe that could be true. ABC, which sponsored and produced the poll, does not believe it could be true. And George Stephanopoulos went on ABC to denounce his own poll, saying that it was an outlier. But that tests his loyalty to the Democratic Party, not his sense of statistical proof. Yeah, right. And and I think that that, and and beyond that poll, the previous Washington Post-ABC poll last month showed Trump five ahead. And uh, Harvard-Harris, which is a very good poll run by my former associate, Mark Penn, uh, shows uh, Trump five ahead. And uh, Emerson poll shows Trump ahead. And the only polls that don't show Trump ahead show it as a dead-even tie, 43-43 or something like that. Now, you poll- think those are uh, skewed polls? Or? No, I, I think that those are basically accurate. And the amazing thing here is that if you assume that Trump lost the popular vote in 2020 by three points, Mm -hmm. when the consensus of the polls is that he's now, say, four ahead, that means he's gained seven points uh, in the last year, uh, really in the last six months. And uh, unbelievable, seven points. So, Dick, when you do a poll, mm -hmm. right, are you saying Stephanopoulos' poll, right? They're really going towards people that aren't going to like Trump, right? So when that poll goes 10 above, it's really quite a bit, right? Because you, 
They would usually well, skew it, wouldn't they? they? They would usually skew it, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Oh, okay. I think the I think the important point for now is that this is the clearest evidence we've had that Donald Trump has really pulled ahead. Right. That this race is really settled into a pattern where Trump wins it. And we've gone from people saying Trump isn't going to run, saying if he does run, he can't possibly win, to saying that if DeSantis runs, he'll defeat Trump, to saying that Trump now is only slightly ahead of DeSantis, to saying Trump is way ahead of DeSantis, but he's tied with Biden and he can't beat Biden. And now we're saying that it is most likely that Trump defeats Biden and that he becomes the next president. This is an enormous change. What a gigantic metamorphosis in public opinion. Uh, for a candidate to gain those kinds of point levels in a presidential race is, is almost unheard of. And, uh, it, and Trump gets no credit for it, but that's fine. He doesn't need credit. He gets, uh, he gets the accolades from the polling. Well, he's the one doing it. Yeah, and he's the one causing it. Yeah. And that's a great point, Doug. People say you, you helped get Trump elected. Well, helped is a big word. Right. And with Trump, you don't have to help much. Uh, 90% of Trump's success is Trump. Uh, one guy who worked for him um, told me a few years ago, Trump doesn't follow the polls. Trump makes the polls. Right. And what he meant by that is Trump creates the environment for the polls and Trump moves himself ahead. His instincts are unbelievable. His knowledge of the process is unequaled. And it really is. When I speak with him several times a week, um, he's, it, it's, it's basically to round out what he's already thinking right. and fill in the blanks. And sometimes he needs a little change in emphasis. But most of the time, he's just absolutely on target and on the right message. And it's amazing how this guy has navigated the public opinion in this country and come out on the right it's side. It's amazing how he respects you. He well, really does. When you were on the phone with him, he really listens to you. And I like when he tells you, listen, polls. You don't go to the bathroom without a poll, Dick Morris. He said that to Dick Morris. big reason Trump respects my polling is that I agree with him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And, um, and I just can't. I, I, it's, it's amazing to work for a candidate with these kinds of instincts and this kind of knowledge of what's yes, going on. It's absolutely incredible. Um, so, so Trump has now, I think, assumed a dominant position in this race. Now, he still has the trials coming. He still has four indictments and two civil cases to go through. And the media is going to obviously play each of those as negatively against Trump as they possibly can. Uh, but again, they're limited by what they can. The first trial is a BS one. Uh, brought by the Attorney General of New York, Letitia James. This is yeah. tomorrow, correct? Right, mm -hmm. and she claims that Donald Trump committed the unpardonable sin of overstating the value of his property so he could get a larger loan. <clears throat> okay, but the banks didn't complain. Nobody sued. The banks got all their money repaid right. with interest. Nobody lost a dime. Right, no but one Letitia got hurt. James is coming out and suing because... You know, that's what she does. Because she got nothing. And because she said she'd sue. And uh, the court held that Trump did overstate the value of his property by properties by $250 million. So he got more of a loan than he should have. 
But he paid it back. He paid it back with full interest. There was yeah, no right. cut rate deal on it. Right. Uh, so who's who? It's clear who the sinner might be, but who's the one who's hurt? The banks got all the money they wanted. So you're going to be getting a series of these trials on all Terrible. kinds of charges Ridiculous. related to this, related to that stripper Daniels, um, to all kinds of stuff related to January 6th. But I do not think those polls are going to move the needle. I think that those polls are going to simply affirm what people already believe, which is that Donald Trump has been a very good president and that he has really – he really changed the country for the better, and Biden changed it for the worse. It is just incredible, and I'd love your comments and thoughts on this, as to why and how that change has taken place. I, I need to understand that, and we need to talk about it in depth. Here, everything has been thrown at this guy, but he's come out standing, and he's come out with a bigger lead than he had. All the, this program is, of course, sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group, and we'll be right back to talk about the headline of Trump winning and Trump moving ahead. But the, the interesting thing here is that a lot of it is being animated by a fundamental shift in the black African-American vote when we come back. This is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group on 77 WABC. This is the Dick Morris Show with Doug DePiro here with me. Hello, Dick Morris. Sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. So I'd love to get your calls on this. What is holding this guy up? Why is Trump able to surmount all of the stuff people have thrown at him and yet gain what is in effect somewhere between 7 and 12 points in the polling over the course of the last few months? What's holding him up? What's going on here? Uh, it's 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 something that that politicians and experts will puzzle about for years. But this guy has a unique hold within the American people, a unique capacity to project his message. Now, a big part of it is that Biden is falling apart, and nobody in their right mind could vote for Biden and say that this guy's going to be president for five years. Uh, I used to say that you need a ventriloquist for Biden, but... Now you also need a taxidermist for Biden because <laughs> so he needs to both sound and you stuff look him. like he's alive. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, Jeff but, Dunham. But call in and let me know your thoughts on that. Um, among, the issue, among the things that's going on here that's most permanent and most significant is for the first time, for the first time, there is evidence that the black vote is shifting. Uh let me just go through the history here. Before uh, 1960, blacks voted Republican uh, because of the legacy of the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln and the de Southern Democrats opposing civil rights every chance they got. And in, 19, in the 1960s, for example, 1950s and 60s, Jackie Robinson was Republican and he was a big spokesman for the Republican Party. And black leaders all over the country were. Then in 1964, a dramatic change occurred. 1960, going back, uh, Martin Luther King's uh, Martin Luther King was imprisoned in the Birmingham jail, and John Kennedy called the uh, the sheriff and asked that King be treated well. 
and called the governor and asked that he be released. And that was a, it was basically a PR stunt. He couldn't do anything. He had no standing, but it really resonated with the African Americans. Did they then, listen to him, the governor and the No, sheriff? they didn't. Mm. I mean, eventually he got out. But. Yeah. And then uh, in 1964, the Civil Rights Bill came up for a vote. And the, in fact, it passed largely with Republican votes. Uh, the key thing, the key endorsement of it was not by a Democrat, but by Republican minority leader Everett Dirksen, who came out for it, and he brought the key votes that passed it. But the thing that captured the headlines was that the Republican candidate for president, Barry Goldwater, in 1964, voted against the bill. He was one of only about eight Republicans to vote against it. But that gave the Republican Party a reputation with blacks that has destroyed it for a hundred years almost. And and it is absolutely to the gross discredit of um, that that this that this happened. Uh, that Barry Go- this is Barry Goldwater's gift to the Republican Party. Uh, the and the media and the media permanent alienation from the black community. And uh, and it was permanent, and the black vote has since then been, and it, almost like a golf handicap. You go onto the range and you say, "I'm going to play eighteen holes." And they say, "Okay, your handicap is minus four. Uh, you got to beat that." And um, nothing the Democrat, nothing the Republicans did made any difference at all. Uh, and they targeted blacks. They did everything they could to help blacks. They excoriated the Democrats for failing to do it, and nothing changed. Now it looks like for the first time it is changing. Trump lost the black vote in 2020 by um, – Trump lost the vote and, was, and only got 12 percent of the vote. Now all of the polling shows him getting between 20 and 25 percent of the black vote. Almost every one of the polls – have him doubling his share of the African-American vote. And, of course, the year is young, and there's every chance that that will increase. And that fundamental demographic, from a political science point of view, is probably the key development happening in America today because the fundamentals of the Democratic Party were to rely on four political bases, the blacks who have begun to come over, the Hispanics who have come over, where uh, Trump won 33% of the Latino vote and most of the polls now have him at about 40. Young people who voted for Biden by 20 points who are now voting for Trump by 10 to 20 points in the polls. Mm. And uh, and these these shifts are... What? One more. Blacks, Hispanic, young people. You said four. Yeah, and well, the, the fourth is in play, not single white mm. women, mm-hmm. uh, unmarried white women, but... We need to see how the abortion issue plays out over the course of the next year. I personally think that Trump is going to say that he supports abortion within the first 15 weeks of pregnancy. And since 80% of the abortions are within the first first 15 weeks of pregnancy, the first trimester, uh, banning abortions after that really is kind of academic. It's not something that's going to affect most American women directly. And uh, I think that when he – if he announces that, I think it's going to defang the abortion issue. I think that just like Richard Nixon skated on the Vietnam War and was able to get past it and still be popular and be reelected, 
the key move that he made to do that was to end the draft. And as long as that draft was not a problem for the individual lives of all American men, including me, um, the that opinion changed. People stopped going crazy about the war. It stopped being the only issue in the world. Right. And became more of an academic issue. And I think that if Trump uh, were to announce a 15-week uh, ban uh, and were to carry the Republicans with him, and I'm just speculating now, I think that that could blunt the abortion issue. Mm. But go back to the point I'm making. What is happening with the black vote? Uh, why are they suddenly listening to the claims that the Democrats are taking them for granted, that Democratic cities are awful and terribly run, and all of these negative consequences? So well, let me ask you this, Dick. What do you think about um, the unemployment, minority unemployment that Trump helped so much with? Well, they have to be looking at that, no? Is that they, Those stats have always been there, but they've never moved the numbers. They didn't move them in 2020. All right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Trump yeah, had yeah, been yeah. president for four years. He had the best record on black jobs, right. the lowest black unemployment, the greatest African-American increases in income, and nothing happened. It didn't make a damn bit of difference. Mm. It went from... A 9% of the vote to 13% of the vote. Big deal. But now he seems really to putting points on, doubling the vote. And, and the jury's out as to why. And I'd love comments here from people. Um, I think that a big part of it is that the left has left the blacks. Right. I think I it isn't so much that the Republicans have moved in, but the Democrats have moved out. That Just like the unemployment has now changed since Trump was in, right? It's gone oh, higher, yeah, right? But but I think that, that here the point is that the Democrats have become far more interested in the needs of the gays than the needs of the blacks. Right. And I think that their whole approach has been very centered on the, get it right, LGBTQ. I can never get community. that right. No, yeah. you gotta, gotta just say it. Well, bad. just like you mentioned not long ago, how... The Democrats want a black woman, and they're pushing out the black man. Yeah. So that's, that's part right. of it, too, maybe. That's right. Uh, I think that really when you look at the black community, the affirmative action has done wonders for the black community, and but it has been largely for black women, and uh, black men have largely not benefited. Um, there's a great guy named Conrad Tillard. Who, oh, he's great. Who I love and talk to a lot. And he said, as a result of affirmative action, the man and the woman, black couple, are both lawyers, and the woman is the head managing partner of a Wall Street firm, and the man has a shingle outside <laughs> that says, Joe Blow Lawyer. Or chasing ambulances. And he chases ambulances <laughs> yeah, right. for a living. And it has not benefited both genders equally. And when you think about it, black women are married to the government. The government provides them with their money. It protects them physically. It uh, advances their careers. It helps them in so many different ways. And, uh, and that's, a, that's very important, and I think it may be playing a role here. Let's get some other opinions, though. Let's go to Al and Yonkers. 
Hey, Al. Hi, Dick and uh, Doug. Good afternoon. Hey, you know, uh, nice to speak to you guys. You know, I wanted to say, if I was in a Trump war, uh, campaign myself, I wouldn't focus too much on the uh, black vote because blacks since uh, FDR have heavily, heavily been in the Democratic camp. No, that's myself, not true. Fo- that's not true, Al. They were Republican until Kennedy. That makes sense. Got it. But I would say myself, I would focus more uh, on the Latino votes because the Latinos, because many, especially uh, Puerto Ricans, uh, those in South America and Latin America, many have gotten uh, into law enforcement and they've assimilated more into the middle class. Al, I, I agree with you and I agreed with you a lot when I was working in the 2020 campaign with Trump. And I kept saying, forget about the black vote. You're not going to move it. Uh, you are going to move the Latino vote. Pay attention to it. And the results were very, very good. Uh, we got, we went from 32% of the Latino vote to, we went from 27% of the Latino vote to about 33. And now it looks like we're closing in on 40. And I think that's true. And I think that's going to continue. And I think that should be our emphasis. But I used to say that going after the black vote was a fool's errand and no more. Yeah, but now no it's more. moving. Yeah. Go to Eric in New York. Hi, Eric. Hi. Hi, Dick. Um, I think um, in 2021, uh, the Democrats lost a minimum a number of Latino support uh, votes or whatever. Uh, yeah. The percentage of support. Uh, so you can get elected or arrested, you know. So um, what Donald Trump did was unite Americans as a whole, not divide them, divide and conquer like they're doing now, the Democrats, you know. Yeah, do right. vic- Victim group, or you know, so yeah. And there's a, there's people that come into Twitter uh, Twitter spaces and are you know they don't talk about anything any of the good Donald Trump did. So I mean, he's not going to move the needle like that. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that the that increasingly um, people are paying attention to Trump's record and they are understanding what he's done, and and I think it's uh, I think it's really changing votes. Now it may be that Biden is too frail. And falling apart, and black voters can see that. And they're looking closer to Trump now because of Biden failing yeah. and whatnot, maybe. And it's also also possible that Trump's advocacy of <clears throat> of individual entrepreneurship, uh, small businesses, uh, black-owned businesses, and those issues it's are cutting for them. him and really right. working. It's also very possible that something we'll talk about a little later in the show. The, autom- the, the way the Democrats are supporting automation and supporting the uh, replacement of the blue-collar worker with the machine and going for electric cars and stuff, which will be exported from, be imported from Japan, or at least the motors will be. And I think in that he's abandoning a lot of the blood. The, Biden is abandoning a lot of the black vote. This is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Hi, this is Dick Morris with Doug DePiro. Hello, Dick. The show is sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. There is one thing coming on the horizon that can absolutely destroy Joe Biden and destroy the Democratic chances this year. It, it really is at the level of, a, of an atomic bomb and could really totally change this whole election. And if Trump is ahead now, 
turn it into a massacre. And that is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Mm. Uh, he is, there's rumors that on October 7th, I think, he's going to announce that he will run as an independent. That's just a rumor. Uh, but lately I'm picking up some vibes about that. And Kennedy, if Kennedy gets into this race as an independent, it will just, it's the death knell for Joe Biden and for if he stays in the race for any Democrat. In the polling right now, running as a candidate in the Democratic primary, McLaughlin has uh, Kennedy at 15% of the vote, with Biden winning 50, 50 or 60%. So the primary is not competitive. But then he goes out and he says, okay, in a three-way race, who would you vote for? And it's not clear because he didn't actually have Kennedy as an alternative, but he did have um, uh, Cornell West as an alternative. Mm who is not nearly as attractive as Kennedy, but he got 6% of the vote and 4% of it came from Biden, 2% from Trump. And uh, and Bobby Kennedy would do even better in terms of the ratio. I think it might be as much as two to one. And I think that the that he could absolutely destroy the chances of the Democrats. Now, with this going on, you'd think that the Democrats would be coming on to him. You'd think yeah, that right. they'd be showering him with charm and love and affection. Sure. Instead, they're doing everything they can to drive him out of the Democratic Party. They're kind of saying, in effect, this is my party. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Cry if I want to. Cry if I want to. You would cry too if it happened to you. Hey, it's my ball. You play the way I want you to play by my rules. So what the Democrats (laughs) have done to Bobby Kennedy is obscene. First of all, Biden won't debate him. Biden basically won't acknowledge that he's alive. Secondly, uh, I mean, that's their strategy. That's their strategy to go on Yeah, they never mention him. Right. Secondly, the Democrats passed a rule, the Democratic National Committee, that said that New Hampshire uh, should not have the first primary and that South Carolina should have the first primary. And to enforce that, they said that if any candidate campaigns in New Hampshire and wins any delegates from New Hampshire in the first primary, those victories won't count. (laughs) Those votes will not be admissible at the convention because the campaigning was in violation of the diktats of the Democratic National Committee. Now, if there was ever anything that could more turn off Robert Kennedy, it's that. It says all of the trips you've made to New Hampshire, all of the campaigning you've done there is for nothing because even if you win this primary, we won't let you win it. It sounds very tyrannical, this, this thing they're doing. It sure is. And it's driving Kennedy crazy and driving him increasingly to the idea of an independent candidacy. <laughs> and Kennedy is a fascinating development in politics, one of the most interesting we've had because he stakes out a position that is basically to the left of the Democratic Party, but not really to the left. It's different from the Democratic Party. Some of it's on the right. He supports the border wall, for example. And he does so because he says American low-income workers can't compete with torrents of people coming in over the border who are willing mm-hmm. to work for nothing. He, uh, he's been critical of affirmative action. He's been very good in in opposing mandatory vaccinations. 
And he says that there is evidence that there are so many side effects from the, the COVID shot that they should restart clinical trials. He points out that the only trial they had involved 25 people. And the reason they never did more is that they were faced with this huge pandemic that was killing millions of people, and they just couldn't screw around with long-term trials. And, uh, and Kennedy says they were ineffective, and he's got a good point. But then he comes back with a strong democratic program. The reason the Hudson River is pretty clean now, the reason people can swim in it, and the reason is you drive up the West Side Highway, you see sailboats in the water today. We saw today. Is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He set up an operation called River Keepers, and he got a lot of rich people to give money, all of the Kennedy people. And they, uh, lit, they brought lawsuits against towns and villages that were dumping their sewage into the Hudson River. And the big one was Manhattan that was doing it, New York. And that led to the uh, sewage treatment plant at 145th Street mm-hmm. and, and the Hudson River that completely ended major pollution of that. Something River. up in Westchester also, and right? And then all the way up the river, they did that. Ossining or something. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it was very successful. Deserves a lot of credit for that. And, Good for um, him. And so he's a certified Democrat with a lot of credentials on the left, but with interesting positions on the right. And he's posing a real challenge to the Democratic Party in the same way that his father challenged the pro-war attitudes of the Johnson administration and the military-industrial complex. He also says, Kennedy says, that he believes that the CIA killed John Kennedy, literally murdered him. He says that the CIA planted a double for Oswald, who had long distance, you would confuse with Oswald. They made up a fictitious identity for him that he uh, went to Mexico and tried to go to Russia and get a visa for Russia. And they set up this whole idea that he was this crazy left-wing communist, uh, was in fact, he wasn't. In fact, Oswald was on the payroll of the CIA. And the whole deal was that he would, uh, that he would set up an agitation for um, pro-Cuba and that, that, would, that he could infiltrate the communist movement and the communist party. It was a far-fetched scheme, but it was one that they were heavily invested in. And the evidence that Kennedy points out is enormous that this was a CIA plot. You you believe in this, too? Oh, I do. I do. There's a book called uh, Unspeakable. It is unbelievably interesting. Um, And uh, by George... um, No, no. George... uh, Jim Douglas. Right. Remember it because of your name. (laughs) Right. And uh, he makes the point that that after the Cuban Missile Crisis, John Kennedy basically decided to end the Cold War he said, enough of this nonsense. This could destroy civilization. We almost blew it up in 1962. And I'm not going to let that happen again. So he wrote letters to Khrushchev and said, come on, if we're willing to end this, would you be willing to end it? And Khrushchev basically said yes. And then they brought Castro in, and he basically said yes. <laughs> and Kennedy trusted that. And he signed a treaty banning nuclear tests in the atmosphere He uh, gave a speech at American University in 62 saying that the Cold War was threatening to destroy the planet. We had to ratchet it back. And he he was very effective in 
a po- he got the hotline installed between Moscow and and Washington, and really set in motion the whole process of ending the Cold War. But there were two groups that opposed him. The first were the true believers, the anti-communists who dominated the CIA, who really believed that communism was atheism, was was the Antichrist, and were determined to ex- exterminate it. They were led by Cardinal Spellman, who was the cardinal in New York. And uh, it led to a right-wing extremism about getting rid of Russia. And then the other element was the military-industrial complex that was making so much money off war and off the potential of war that they couldn't close it down. They couldn't go back. So with those influences, John Kennedy had to fight them constantly. And Nikita Khrushchev had to fight them constantly in Russia. And when Kennedy was assassinated a year later, Khrushchev was ousted and two hardliners took their place, Johnson in the U.S. and Brezhnev in Russia, who said, no, we're not ending the Cold Mm. War. We're doubling down on it. And how does this do with uh, Robert Kennedy? Well, with with John Kennedy. I mean, uh, murdered because of that. And they had to get Johnson in. They had to get Kennedy out. And the only way to do that was to kill him. So Robert Kennedy is pushing a lot of apostasy, a lot of junior, a lot of ideas that are very different from the establishment of the Democratic Party that are not necessarily Republican or Democrat or independent. They're just very good ideas. Almost like your fusion thing. Yeah, it is a lot like Uh the fusion idea Uh and triangulation before that. And I think that uh, Kennedy poses an unbelievable threat to Biden. Unbelievable. Let's go to Sandra in New Jersey. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Sandra. We missed you last week. Oh, thank you so much. I, you know, anyway, you know, th- talking about RFK, I just wanted to, before I say what I wanted to say, if he becomes an independent, is that easier for him to switch aisles completely and join John- Donald Trump in the end? That's what I always think about. Mm, well, but I wanted to- well, maybe, but more importantly, he would run as an independent, a third-party candidate, like Ross Perot used to do. And um, he would get a lot of votes that would come largely off of Biden. That might then spawn a relationship with Trump. Uh, Trump has spoken positively about him in phone calls with me and and likes what he's doing, but stays at arm's length from him because he doesn't want the Biden people to say Kennedy is just Trump's pawn. But we'll see how that plays out. What was your other comment, Sandra? Okay, well, I wanted to comment on your show last night. So, so to me, the people have spoken. I wanted to say that um, the debate, the second debate, they had the lowest viewership since yep. 2015. Amazing. The people on, yeah, they don't want, they At just least, don't, they, they like want to, Donald Trump. They like to speak of people voting with their feet by migrating. Well, the Democratic primary vote has voted with its butt by sitting on the couch <laughs> and not, not watching the debate. Uh, I think that I think that it's become so clear that this can't be a race without Trump, that it isn't a race without Trump, and that you're basically just watching clowns perform on the stage. Pretty much. And I think it's carrying over to the Biden campaign. I think it's creating the idea that any opposition to Trump is crazy and far-fetched. When we come back, we'll talk about another element that I think is very important. Uh, Trump's speech at the United Auto Workers over the weekend And that marks a historic division between the Democratic Party and the union movement when we come back. 
This is the Dick Morris Show, presented by the Patriot Gold Group on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Let's take a little journey across. This is Dick, the Dick Morris Show with Doug DePiro, and Hi, it is sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Take a trip with me across the Atlantic Ocean and back in time to Britain in the 1960s and 1970s, before Margaret Thatcher came on the, on the, on the scene. I loved her. The Labour Party, the left-wing party in Britain, was totally and completely controlled by the labor unions, particularly the mining union and the coal miners. And when the government tried to increase their hours or reduce their pay or limit their pay increases, really, and limit the work rule changes, they went on strike and Britain froze to death. And the Labour Party, their equivalent to the Democratic Party, became completely wed to the labor unions. And in the United States, the marriage has not been as deep and as long-lasting, but it has been fundamental, the, the unity between the unions and the Democratic Party. And that is being shattered right now as we speak by Donald Trump. Reagan weakened it by the Reagan blue-collar vote, where he spoke to people in a way that was very easy to understand and very common sense and really and very charming and really appealed to the blue-collar vote. But now Trump is going at it from a different point of view. He went out to Michigan last weekend and said, hey, you guys are on strike. Okay, you're living off strike benefits as opposed to your wages, and that's less, and I appreciate this sacrifice. But come on, are you kidding me? You're going on strike because you want more money and per hour, and you want fewer hours, and you want work rule changes. Don't you realize you're going to lose your job in two years? The whole industry is going to close down in two years mm. because the Democratic Party wants you to close down. They want to shift from gasoline-powered cars to electric cars. Electric cars use 40% less manpower. The batteries are made in China. The cars are basically produced abroad. And the auto industry in the United States, as we know it, will cease to exist because of this. And this is because, not because they're cheaper or they're better or they're more convenient. They're horrible. You run out of a charge in the middle of the Holland Tunnel. And, they, and, and they're awful. And, and they're also very expensive to buy much more than the average car. Replaced a battery, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, and, and they try to paper it over with tax credits, but that's a one-shot a thing. Quick, a, a quick prediction, there will not be electric cars in 10 years. I'm just telling you that right now. Well, it's not going to happen. The question is, will there be gas cars? But No, not as much. But, but be, I uh, think that the, that the point is that electric vehicles are threatening to exterminate the auto industry right. in the U.S., and you see the same thing in area after area with a left-wing democratic ideology that makes climate change the only important thing that's happening in right. the world. And they need to avert it being the sole thing we should focus on. And it's hurting every industry in this country and destroying jobs by the hundreds and thousands mm -hmm. or millions. And the democratic unions are complicit with it. I'll give you an example that will just turn your hair. The... One of the big things that the Democrats are trying to do is to eliminate the coal industry, basically stop coal mining right. uh, because they claim that it causes carbon emissions, that 
warms the Earth's atmosphere and is destroying our climate. So they proposed all kinds of legislation that the Democrats have passed to limit coal mining and to limit the use of coal and fuels. And the Coal Miners Labor Union is supporting those bills. How could that be? It's, it's like the biggest suicide note in history. <laughs> right. They're literally saying, come on, vote to eliminate your jobs. And they're talking about how, oh, we'll retrain you, we'll get you into other jobs. To be the paper boy. Uh, yeah, but nothing that replaces these wages, nothing that can replace these jobs. And they're, they're going out there, the heads of the union are saying that in public. So what Trump is saying is, hey, you guys are destroying the labor movement. And Biden stands up there and says, America grew because of the labor unions and I'm a pro-union president. Yeah, what he's saying is I want to fight for five cents extra per hour for you and I want to fight for a longer lunch break. But forget about your jobs. Forget about your whole means of earning a living. You're going to be out of work. You're going to be unemployed. Not because of the market, not because of foreign competition, not because there's a better product, but because of the liberal left-wing ideology of climate change that forces us into paths that are, that are negative to blue-collar workers and to the unions and to the American people. And Trump has finally stood up and said that. And uh, he said, you're, you're being so short-sighted in saying that what you want is better wages in each hour and better working conditions and the Democrats support that, so you're all enthusiastic because you're nuts. You're going to lose your job entirely. And uh, when somebody declares war on you, you got to know it and you got to relate to it. And I think that Trump, in taking these bold and strong positions, particularly at the moment of the second Democratic debate, that was such Republican debate, that was such a mockery. He did it at the same time of that debate. He gave this incredible speech to the UAW. And uh, I think that this marks a gigantic, gigantic change in U.S. politics. The British metaphor I was searching for was that when Tony Blair came along as the Labour candidate, he said, no, we're not going to be controlled by the unions anymore. We're not going to let them run us. We're not going to let them have coal strikes and stuff that freezes the whole country. And Blair declared independence from the unions. And that completely changed the whole profile of the Labour Party in Britain. That's why Blair won 12 years in power, because he undermined the base of his own party by turning on the Labour movement. And that is essentially what Trump is doing to Biden. And it is fascinating to watch that. But I think that, that Trump is, has finally really put his finger on it. The Democratic Party Labour Union Alliance is killing blue-collar workers in the United States. Let's go to uh, George in New York. Hi, George. Uh, Mr. Morris, uh, first, I think uh, as far as uh, uh, Trump, you know, should he win, he would definitely stop the war in Ukraine. Yep, he would absolutely. pass out the illegals. He'd find ways and means to get rid of them. Yep. For example, he would uh, make arrangements with Argentina because 200,000 Venezuelans were allowed to live and work there in Argentina, and then they found out it's better uh, in the USA, whereby for the first yeah. year they don't even have to no. work and would receive all the benefits, etc. You're right about all that. I think that's accurate. I think that's just what Trump will do. And I think that the Democrats will say, oh, you can't deport 12 million people. 
and Biden would say, watch me. Um, now, uh, Biden? I mean, Trump would say, watch me. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, let's go to Stu in Brooklyn. Hi, Stu. Hey, good afternoon, Dick. Uh, Dick, um, Hard of Work is a novel, and the action is based upon the idea of uh, slowing the Russian military and the oligarchs down by cutting down the flow of oil. I thought it was an original idea, but in the course of research, I turned up something called the Farewell Dossier. Are you familiar with that? No. All right. Uh, it's about how in 1982, we caused the biggest explosion, non-nuclear, in Siberia and took out about 100 miles of pipe. Yeah, I know about that. That actually happened. Yeah. Right. Uh, next next case, what the geniuses in the Democratic Party don't know about coal is coal is a precursor that can be used to make the uh, material you need to make carbon fiber. Right. As far as electric is concerned, I was involved with a company called Smith's Electric. They made trucks. It failed with government subsidies a few years ago. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to hurry you along. Uh, I, you raised the question about Ukraine. And I have done a complete metamorphosis on Ukraine. When Russia invaded, I was strongly standing with Ukraine, that unless we stopped them there, we'd be fighting them in Poland and in Lithuania and Latvia and Estonia uh, and maybe even in Germany. And that we had to put a limit on Russian aggression. And if we found the people who were courageous and bold enough to be willing to die to do that, we should give them all the support we can give them. But now I think it becomes very clear the dangers that this war poses, both to global peace and to the possibility of nuclear war and to the depletion of American military strength, with China about to invade Taiwan, maybe. Uh, we, our arsenals are basically stripped of weapons because they all went to Ukraine. Uh, some to Afghanistan went to the Taliban, but more <laughs> recently to the Ukraine. And I believe that Trump is right that we should say, hey, guys, we've subsidized you. You've reconquered 85% of your country. That's good enough. And uh, and stop what you're doing. But thank you, Stu. And go to Teddy in Staten Island. Hi. Hi, Teddy. Hi, it's Eddie. Yeah, go ahead. Hi, Dick. Yeah. Uh, this is Eddie from Staten Island. Look, uh, I've been seeing on so, on the social media platforms that they've been getting union workers to say that they're not supporting Trump. And I know it's an outright lie. How do we improve the, the, the social information out there to help Trump get elected? Because a lot of people are really angry with what the Democrats are doing. Yeah. Well, I think the reality is so clear as to what the Democrats are doing. And I think that the, that the, uh, their bias against their own workers, against their own unions, is so clear that that is going to penetrate and overcome the propaganda the Democrats are putting out on social media. You know, there's a lot of union guys, my friends and family, that vote Republican but never say it at their meetings. They don't talk about it at their union gigs. Yeah. So, right. there's, you know, you're not, we're not hearing the truth about what's going on. Let's go to John in Bergen County. Hi, John. Mr. Morris, nice to take your call. I look around New York. I see a black mayor. I see a black state senate leader. I see a black ex-police commissioner. I see black district attorneys. I see a police force that's 60% minorities. When they, people of this state look around, they have no one else to blame but themselves. 
So I think that has a lot to do with why they're fleeing the Democratic Party, because they've gotten their representation in there and they're not getting the job done. Interesting. That is a great point. Very interesting. It's very interesting, John. Yeah. You know, they got to look at that they've accomplished all of their political goals and hasn't given them a damn thing. That's really good. That's absolutely fascinating. Uh. That is incredible. That is such a great idea. Thank you, John. Really appreciate the call. Uh, go to uh, Steve on Long Island. Hi, Steve. Yeah, hi, Dick. Uh, good, good afternoon. Uh, the whole thing here is very simple. In 2020, uh, Biden, who lived in a basement for eight months, never campaigned, never did anything. <laughs> Hiding Biden. He won. Mm-hmm. And the point, the point is that what's what's tragic is that all these drop boxes and and uh, voting harvesting. What's going to happen in 24? Is this going to well, be a repeat? What we're working steps on are being it. taken to preclude well, that? We and a lot of other people are working on that. Uh, and I think we have, we'll have some success. But the main so. thing we're doing <clears throat> is Trump is staking out the possibility of a lead that can't be overcome by any stealing. You know, in polling, we have the statistical margin of error. Well, now we have the, the statistical margin of fraud. <laughs> and I, if, it's not really funny, but it's funny. If Biden, if Trump is going to win this race by five to seven points, as it now looks like he will, nobody can steal that much. I, I mean, that nobody can come close to doing that. So uh, let's work on that. I think that I think that at the moment we're on the cusp of that. I think if Kennedy gets into the race as an independent, I think if the Democrats can't get rid of Biden and he continues to be half dead in office. I think that we have an excellent chance of doing that and having a big enough margin so nobody can steal it. And we have other things in place also. Yeah, we're working a lot on stuff. A lot. Particularly about photo ID. Okay, so we talked about um, Trump being ahead, not just not just now and then, but consistently. We talked about blacks coming over to Trump uh, and big change in the Democratic Party because of that. We talked about the looming threat to the Democrats of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. running as an independent. And we talked about how Trump is peeling off the union members from the Democratic Party by saying rather than fight for a few pennies here or a few minutes in the savings there with this work rule, get your eye 